John 17. And uh, I'm going to break into uh, the uh, prayer of our Lord Jesus in John 17 and uh, read from verses uh, 14 uh, through 20, just that little section. Hear God's word. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this, your word. We're grateful for it. And as we do have a short time to look into it, we pray that you'll meet with us and apply your word to our hearts. Give us light, uh, convict us, uh, alter our wills and the bent of our hearts uh, to respond to the truth of your word, we pray. And in the end, Father, we pray that uh, we might see in a better way that uh, in this text that we're looking at this morning, Jesus Christ is praying for us even now uh, that we would be sanctified through uh, your word, through the truth of your word. So bless us to this end, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen. As you can see in the bulletin and in the outline, the specific text that I'm directing your attention to is John 17:17. 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, a number of years ago, I had the privilege of uh, being the speaker at White Lake uh, Family Conference. And uh, uh, during the course of that conference, we uh, touched on the whole area of sanctification. And uh, kind of off the cuff... I asked the uh, folks who were, uh, the adults that were there uh, at the conference, uh, what degree of sanctification do you think you have achieved? And uh, so uh, some of them raised their hands and said, well, uh, maybe 75%. Uh, maybe 80%. Uh, maybe 85%. Maybe 90%. And uh, I see some of you smiling. Uh, when uh, they answered the question, my jaw dropped. <laughs> and uh, my response was, well, uh, perhaps, perhaps uh, I, I have achieved 0.00001% of sanctification compared to the uh, infinite 
perfection of Jesus Christ, I haven't made very much progress at all. And in the end, I think this is true with all of us in actuality. And I ask myself the question, why this perception with regard to sanctification? And I, I think that one of the answers, there, there could be many, but one of the answers is that we have the idea that sanctification kind of takes place in a vacuum. God comes along and says, Poof, you're sanctified 50%, and poof, you're sanctified uh, 75%. And uh, this is uh, kind of how it works. But uh, this is not what the Bible tells us. God uses means, and God uses the means of His Word. And in our text, uh, this is exactly what we're finding out. Uh, Jesus is praying. Sanctify them in the truth... Your word is truth. And so in the end, what we discover is that Jesus Christ, this is, this is part of the amazing thing, it seems to me, about the text, that Jesus Christ is even now praying for you and me that we would be sanctified through the means of the truth of Scripture. That you and I would be sanctified uh, through the truth of Scripture. And Jesus is praying uh, for us to this end. Uh, well, when you look at the text, the first uh, item that uh, comes to your attention is this uh, matter of truth. And uh, you and I, of course, need to understand uh, that uh, truth is an invariable standard. Truth is unchanging. Uh, truth is given to us uh, by God, and God is truth, and what he speaks is truth, because God does not change. In our culture and in our society today, uh, uh, some have uh, uh, characterized it as a postmodern uh, culture or a postmodern society. I, I wonder if we're in a post-postmodern uh, culture and post-postmodern society. But in that society, in our society, truth is relative. This is, this is how we deal with it. And it's interesting how this idea of truth being relative seeps down into the fabric of our thinking. It turns out we're more like Pontius Pilate, who stood before Jesus and, and said, asked the question, what is truth? And, of course, uh, the postmodern uh, writer especially uh, views uh, written texts uh, in this way, that uh, the authority is in the, the person who reads the text. The authority is not in the author. The, th the authority is not in the writer. And, and as I say, uh, uh, this perception, this uh, kind of thinking seeps down into uh, our thinking in very interesting ways. Uh, one of my sons-in-law uh, was uh, asking uh, one of his daughters uh, about uh, traffic lights. And, of course, you, you understand this, that, that uh, red 
according to the law, right? According to the law that's written. According to the law, uh, red means stop. Green means go. And so he's, he's asking uh, his uh, daughter, what does is, what is, uh, uh, green mean? Go. What does red mean? Stop. What does yellow mean? Hit the gas. See, of course, according to the written code, what does yellow mean? Yellow means get ready to stop. <laughs> right? But uh, we don't read it that way. See, the authority is in the reader. So what do we do? The light is turning yellow. Hit the gas. we got to get through it. We don't... See, see, this is how the idea, this is the idea of the relativism. Truth is relative. But when we come to the Bible, uh, you and I must understand that truth is invariable because God does not vary and truth is a standard by which God speaks to us. And it's not as though truth were out here as a standard and God was over here somewhere and uh, else and uh, God had to conform Himself to a standard of truth. No, God is truth. And so what He speaks is truth. And therefore His Word is truth. And so this is how you see it in the text. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. So this, this is the first thing we have to uh, we have to come to uh, grips with, and then uh, the second thing that we need to uh, come to grips with in the text is this idea of sanctification, and uh, the term in the text uh, sanctify uh, means to set apart or set aside for the purposes of God, and. Uh, in the beginning, uh, Adam, when he was created, uh, he was created holy and righteous. Uh, before sin entered into uh, the world uh, as holy and righteous, Adam was set aside, uh, set apart perfectly for the purposes of God. And this is the, uh, the basic idea of sanctification, to be set apart for the purposes of God. And when you and I are converted to faith in Christ, you and I are set apart for the purposes of God. This is part of what God is doing with you and with me. We're, we're not, you see, we're bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong to Him. And we're set apart for His purposes. So we're not to seek our own will. We're not to seek our own way. In Genesis chapter 11, uh, after the flood, uh, the people on the earth uh, looked at one another and said, Whoa, big world out here. We might be scattered. We need to build a tower around which we can gather and uh, which will uh, keep us together. And we can make a name for ourselves. <laughs> kind of interesting. And that's not our purpose. We're, we're to build a culture and to build a society for God. Uh, that's our purpose. And God sets us apart uh, to His Himself uh, to this end. So that's the basic idea of the, this term, uh, sanctification. Uh, and then 
there's another aspect of sanctification, uh, as you would understand it, and we come to this in verse 19. So if you look at verse 19, uh, for their sakes I sanctify myself. You see, Jesus, uh, as he comes into the world, sets himself apart for the purposes of God, to do the will of God, to do the will of the Father. Uh, verse 19 again, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Well, there's the idea of truth again. And uh, this idea of sanctification at the end of the, end of the verse, that they may be sanctified in truth. The uh, word that in the Greek language that's translated be sanctified is a perfect tense in the Greek language. A little grammar. And uh, the idea of uh, the uh, perfect tense in the Greek language especially is that uh, something has happened in the past, an event uh, takes place in the past, uh, but it has present-day ramifications. That an event which has taken place in the past affects the present and uh, this is exactly what happens to you and me. That Jesus Christ dies on the cross to pay the penalty due to you and me for our sins. And uh, as he accomplishes the will of God in this, he sets us aside for the purposes of God. But uh, that's not the end of it, is it? Uh, that uh, his work in setting us aside for the purposes of God, uh, by his death, life, death, and resurrection, has present-day ramifications. It affects us uh, in the present day. In other words, we uh, become, uh, uh, we might say, continually set aside for the purposes of God. And so we get this idea of uh, what we call progressive sanctification. That there's uh, sanctification that takes place as an event in the past, but then uh, there's progressive change that takes place over a period of time in our lives. And uh, you and I are being sanctified. We are being changed by the uh, uh, gracious God of heaven. Uh, to be conformed more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, so uh, this term sanctification is uh, real important in our text. Again, uh, verse 17, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Uh, so now we come to uh, this uh, item uh, in the text, your word. First of all, uh, when you look at the text and you think about uh, Jesus saying to the fathers, of course he's praying, he says, your word, uh, Jesus says to the Father. Uh, first of all, uh, Jesus is speaking about uh, the things that uh, he has spoken 
He, Jesus came into the world to transmit the word of the Father. And if you go up to verse uh, 14, uh, you have the same uh, idea. Uh, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. I have given them your word. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have had this little group of disciples. At this point, it's 11 because Judas is out of the picture. But you've given me these disciples who are in the process of becoming apostles. And I've taught them for three and a half years. We've been together. I've taught them in private. I've taught them in public. Uh, We've had many conversations together. And I've uh, been pleased uh, to be able, Father, to give them your word. And uh, so, first of all, uh, you understand that uh, God's word here is the spoken word. Now, uh, one of the ways this comes home to us today is that uh, both in the New Testament church and in uh, the church today, uh, preaching is characterized as the Word of God. It's a spoken word, but as long as that preaching is done uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and as long as that preaching is based upon the Scriptures, see, it may be characterized the Word of God. And, of course, this is exactly what Jesus did. He spoke to his disciples, teaching them the Word of God, and he did so by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, first of all, when you look at the text in John John 17, 17, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. That word is a word which is transmitted orally. But that's not the end of it, you see, because part of this oral presentation that Jesus made took place in the synagogue. Jesus was faithful to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue on a regular basis. And Jesus often had an opportunity to teach in the synagogue. And when he taught in the synagogue... He would read the Scriptures, and we have witness of this uh, in the New Testament. He would read the Scriptures, and then he would uh, teach uh, those in the synagogue from the Scriptures. And uh, so this would be uh, in a little bit more formal way uh, that Jesus would uh, relate to not only his disciples, but to others, the word of the Father. Your word. But this brings us then to the idea also of the New Testament. Because when we come to the New Testament, you and I, who are Christians, understand the New Testament to be part of the Word of God. So to make this connection, turn back with me and get a little bit more context here. Uh, Turn back with me to John chapter 14. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 26. 
Jesus is in the upper room now, and uh, he's with his disciples in the upper room. It's part of the upper room discourse. And uh, this is a promise now that Jesus is making to uh, his disciples. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you... See, Jesus is speaking to his disciples now in the upper room. He will teach you all things. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. He's going to teach you all the things that are necessary for you to understand about me and about the Father, about the created order, about redemption. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to connect the dots for you and the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. And not only so, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises uh, to His uh, disciples who uh, are apostles in the making... The Holy Spirit is going to remind you uh, of all the things uh, that we talked about when we were together. Uh, This is rather amazing, uh, this promise. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, in his uh, uh, little book uh, entitled The Holy Spirit, uh, says of this text, and uh, I think he's correct, I'm in full accord with his thinking here. Uh, Ferguson says of this text that this is a text that this promise of the Lord Jesus is a promise that uh, those disciples, those apostles in the making will become writers of the New Testament. And uh, to put it in theological terms, Uh, They will become organs of special revelation. They will be writers of Scripture. And, and of course, where do you and I find out about Jesus? Where do you, you and I learn about the Creator? Where do you and I learn about the Holy Spirit? It's in this Word. It's in the Scriptures. And especially in the New Testament Scriptures, you and I learn about Jesus Christ the Lord. And the apostles have written down for you and for me conversations and teachings of the Lord Jesus. We have a record of these things. And then, of course, uh, the Apostle Paul comes along. He, 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 he speaks of himself as uh, someone who was untimely born because he uh, was not among the, the original twelve. But he, too, uh, becomes a writer of Scripture. And so we have a record uh, of what Jesus Christ has said and done, and we have interpretations given to us uh, with regard to what Jesus Christ has said and done. And when you go back to uh, John uh, 17 now, uh, you see 
Jesus is saying, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. In other words, this book and those Bibles that you're handi- holding in your hands, or, or maybe you're looking at your phone, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> those words are the truth of God. Uh, I remember a couple of things from my own uh, seminary experience. One is that uh, in taking Hebrew and uh, uh, opening uh, the Hebrew Old Testament and looking at those Hebrew characters and Hebrew words, I had to think to myself, this is as close to the very words of the living God that you can possibly get. These words that are written. And uh, another one of my uh, seminary professors uh, was fond of saying, uh, with regard to uh, the writings of the Apostle Paul, uh, and of course the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in Greek, he wrote uh, his letters in Greek, and uh, this seminary professor was fond of saying, you know, uh, we have uh, in our Greek New Testaments a more accurate rendering of what the Apostle Paul actually wrote than we have today of what Shakespeare wrote in his various plays and other writings. Think about that. That the accuracy of the text that we have of Scripture is more accurate than the text that we have of Shakespeare. Seems to me that's pretty astounding. Jesus Christ is praying in this text, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Jesus Christ is praying that through the instrumentality of the word of God, His disciples would be changed from week to week, from month to month, from year to year. And it wasn't only those disciples of old for whom Jesus prayed. Let's read now John 17, 17. Through 20. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. 
I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word. I'm not at Father, I'm not asking for them alone that they would be sanctified in the truth. But I'm asking for all those who come after them who will believe in me through their word. And where is their word? The word of the apostles, the word of those original disciples set down in the scriptures. Obviously, I can't speak for everyone in uh, this particular room. Uh, But I know in my case that it was through the instrumentality of this Word that I was brought to faith in Christ. And some of you have uh, have heard me uh, talk a little bit about this. uh, That a chaplain confronted me and asked me the question, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I thought to myself, not a good idea to lie to the chaplain. And when I told him no, the first thing that man did was reach into his desk drawer and pull out a copy of the New Testament and open that New Testament and point me to various scriptures in the New Testament to talk to me about my sin, to talk to me about Jesus Christ and how He died on the cross. And that conversion came about through the instrumentality of the Scriptures. And in the end, isn't that the case with each one of you? Somehow, through the Scriptures, if you're a Christian this morning, somehow through the Scriptures you came to faith through the words of the apostles written in the Scriptures. And you notice again verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Jesus Christ back then was praying for the likes of you and me. Praise be unto God that that's the case. He was praying for you and for me. And I submit to you, even now Jesus Christ is praying for you and for me because after He lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay the penalty due to the sins of people like you and me, He ascended from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and In that position, He is your advocate. This is what the Apostle John says. And that means that He prays for you. And He's praying for you now that you would be sanctified through the truth of the Word of God. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in truth. 
Your word is truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're praying for the likes of me in this regard. And so I say to you, dear friends, if Jesus Christ is praying for you, for you to be sanctified by means of the truth of the Word of God, that means you and I must take this Word seriously. You and I must study this Word. Read this Word and study this Word. That's part of the process. You and I must engage in Bible studies together to study this Word. Because Jesus is praying for your sanctification by means of the truth of this Word. And it's important then for us to be together in circumstances like this on the Lord's Day. To hear the reading of the Word of God. And to hear the explanations of the Word of God. Because Jesus is praying for you to be sanctified by the truth of His Word, by the truth of Scripture. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your prayers. And work in our hearts that we may be more deeply committed to your Word, the Scriptures. And in this way, see your prayers answered in our lives. Let's pray together now. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ and all that he has done. Thank you for your word set down in the scriptures. Thank you, Father, that your plan and your purpose is to change us, sanctify us, set us aside for your purposes. And to cause us to grow in grace by means of the truth of your word. And we thank you that Jesus Christ, your son, is even now praying for us to this end. And so, Father... Uh, 
put within us a deeper commitment to your word and to you through this your word we pray in the good name of Jesus Christ who is the Lord. Amen.